Warning, the following message may be offensive to some audiences. These audiences may include, but are not limited to, professing Christians who never read their Bible, sissies, sodomites, men with man buns, those who approve of men with man buns, man bun enablers, white knights for men with man buns, homemakers who have finished Netflix but don't know how to meal plan, and people who refer to their pets as fur babies. Viewer discretion is advised. People are tired of hearing nothing but doom and despair on the radio. The message of Christianity is that salvation is found in Christ alone, and any who reject Christ, therefore, forfeit any hope of salvation, any hope of heaven. The issue is that humanity is in sin, and the wrath of Almighty God is hanging over our heads. They will hear His words, they will not act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment, when the fires of wrath come, they will be consumed, and they will perish. God wrapped himself in flesh, condescended, and became a man, died on the cross for sin, was resurrected on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits now to make intercession for us. Jesus is saying there is a group of people who will hear his words, they will act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment come in that final day, their house will stand. Welcome to Bible Bashed, where we aim to equip the saints for the works of ministry by answering the questions you're not allowed to ask. Listen and enjoy this installment of Iron Sharpening Iron as Pastor Tim answers your sincere questions. Here's Pastor Tim. On this episode of Iron Sharpening Iron, we're going to be answering the question, what would you say as encouragement to the person who has been told, even by professing Christians, that it's unloving to speak out against same-sex attraction? Uh, now, one of, one of the most remarkable things that I've witnessed over the past you know, uh, five, uh, ten years or so is the rise of the uh, celibate gay Christian movement. In a lot of your big parachurch uh, organizations like the Gospel Coalition, uh, like um, Together for the Gospel, uh, even you know individuals from my former seminary, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, the individuals in in high places have basically put forward certain speakers like uh, Rosaria Butterfield, Jackie Hill Perry, Sam Alberry, uh, these ex-gay Christians. And one of the things that has happened over the course of putting these individuals forward as experts on the subject of uh, uh, temptations towards sodomy is that we've been given us a. a, a given some rules to follow as it relates to these uh, particular types of temptation, which in many ways are are, are, are rules that uh, we would not follow as it relates to any other sin at all. So one of the things you realize as you read through the Sermon on the Mount is that not only is adultery a sin, but the lust that gives rise to adultery is also a sin. And, and so it's not just uh, the, the case that, you know, you're— you can, you know, it's okay to look, but not to touch. Wink, wink, uh, as uh, you know, a, a crass person might say. Uh, the problem is that there is there's lust that happens within a, a person's heart that will give rise to uh, particular forms of sexual immorality. If a man looks on a woman with lust, he's committed adultery within her, with her in his heart. So one of the things that we've realized as it relates to every other kind of sexual uh, sin is that there is a behavior component to sexual sin, but then there's also a desire component to sexual sin. 
And it's the desires that when they conceive, give birth to sin. It's these desires when they're left unchecked that will grow and grow and grow and live, uh, give, uh, bring forth behavioral sin. And so there's sin that happens in the heart long before there's sin that happens in the behavior. That's what we've learned with you know almost every other sin. And so one of the things that's remarkable is all the same voices that would tell us exactly what I just said as it relates to heterosexual sexual sins, if you want to use an awful expression uh, in loaded term, or normal individuals with normal sexual attractions, uh, these same voices have told us for years that you don't think that you're okay just because you don't commit adultery. If you commit uh, lust in your heart, you... Like uh, that lust is the same kind of thing in seed form, and it will give rise to uh, the physical act if you don't um, uh, get it under control. And so not only do you need to reject the behavior, but you also need to repudiate and repent of the desire. Now, what part of what's happened is, with the rise of the celibate gay Christian movement is you have Christian celebrities who uh, were ex-gay, as far as that is concerned, being put forward, who are basically telling everyone that uh, people can't help homosexual attractions or the attractions towards deviant sexual desires, they can't help those and they're fine so long as they don't act on them. And so it's not a sin to be tempted, they say, uh, as long as you don't act on it. And 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 so part of the question is coming from this kind of framework, which says, hey, uh, what would you say as encouragement to individuals who are trying to push back against this idea that somehow these same-sex attractions are neutral um, and uh, like we're being told by our evangelical leaders, what you say is encouragement to individuals who are pushing back on that and being told that they're unloving. Well, uh, one of the things that I would tell you is that um, you know t- about ten years ago, maybe when this uh, th- when the same uh, sex attraction movement started gain- gaining steam, there was a period of time where I'm listening to these sorts of individuals who are saying these sorts of things, and I, and I'm just sitting there scratching my head and wondering. When are all the famous, you know, all the big name theologians going to speak out against this nonsense? Why is everyone promoting this garbage by Sam Alberio? Why is everyone promoted this confused, you know, uh, teaching by Rosaria Butterfield, Jackie Hill Perry? Why are we all just eating this stuff up when we know that it's contrary to what we would say in every other subject? And there was, there was years there where I, I was wondering, like, am I the only one in my own circles without my massive internet platform or whatever else. Am I the only one who sees the problem with this? And, and and I would say to that kind of individual, I understand how it can be totally lonely to be the only one who seems to have their eyes open and to be aware uh, that there are problems. And one of the things to realize is that it was of great encouragement to me personally, uh, who was uh, saying these things to everyone I could find, uh, to all of a sudden see you know individuals like Douglas Wilson, uh, pulpit and pen. Uh, I, I, Douglas Wilson might have been one of the first individuals I saw who started speaking out against the same-sex attraction movement. Pulpit and pen, uh, or polemics report, or whatever they were back then, and they may have been shortly after. And then you had individuals like James White all of a sudden start speaking out against that. And then pretty soon, you know, uh, you, you have like a G three conference and um, speaking all those uh, predictable lineup. Uh, they're speaking out against it and everything else. Uh, but but one of the things that I would say as a form of encouragement to you is that I remember a time where no one was speaking out against it. And I thought, well, man, I'm absolutely crazy. Am I the only one who sees this? But, you know, I, my convictions to the scriptures couldn't 
help me to say anything else. I mean, it's just obvious. Like we're treating one sin for some reason. And, and everyone knows why you're treating this one sin differently because of cultural pressure and everything else. Uh, but then one of the things to realize is that when you're when you're living in a time where many, many people are characterized by cowardice, uh, one of the things that happens is it's just a little bit of courage, just a little bit of courage uh, is contagious. And, and part of that's what happened with the whole Trump phenomenon. Uh, Trump, for all of his flaws, he had certain character traits about him that, uh, although flawed, were uh, winsome in some sense. And so uh, he was the kind of man who wasn't intimidated by PC culture. And one of the things that you can uh, observe in the uh, Trump phenomenon, and and, uh, there's plenty of things I wouldn't recommend about him, uh, but one of the things that you can observe is that that kind of backbone, that kind of spine that he had to basically just tell the news and tell basically everyone in the world he could care less what they had to say, that kind of thing led to courage and led to many people being much more bold. And, uh, you know, his um, stand against CRT, that may be the be the most important thing that he did during his presidency. And he undermined that with uh, plenty of the other decisions he made, like the vaccine uh, and the shutdowns and everything else. But that that was, uh, you know, a little bit of courage is contagious. And one of the things that I saw when I finally saw some big name evangelicals start speaking out against it, then, you know, basically they bore the the load of the wrath of everyone around them. But eventually it caught on, and now it's much more socially acceptable to say the obvious and to say what the Bible says uh, because you have a lot of individuals like that who bore the heat uh, of the accusations. And, you know, wherever you happen to be, uh, I don't know that the vast majority of people in in, in your standard American church has any idea uh, who any of those people are. Uh, but you, you might have to, you know, you, you might have to, bear with the shame and condemnation of the world if you want to honor God. And one of the things the Bible says is that that when you suffer persecution, you should rejoice. You should rejoice that you're counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. And one of the forms that that suffering takes is social ostracization, uh, being uh, maligned, uh, being misrepresented, having people call names, uh, call you names. And and it can be pretty lonely when you take positions that uh, are very, very unpopular. But I would say that, you know, if there's any hope for our country, if there's any hope for our society, uh, that... Uh, uh, that if there's any hope of repentance uh, and uh, deliverance from God's wrath, it's going to be that people are going to have to have courage and have to have spines and going to have to trust the Lord and care far more what their maker says than what uh, the enemy says. This has been another installment of Iron Sharpening Iron. As always, if you would like to have your question included in one of these midweek episodes, email us at biblebashedpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Gab. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move.